everyone. This is Philip. In this episode, Simi and I take a trip to the sustainable city in Dubai. It's a township built by Dubai-based Diamond Developers and was completed in 2015. Sustainable City Dubai is located about 30 kilometers south of the Burj Khalifa, and it's away from the city center and surrounded by the desert on its southern side. We met up with Marwa Nalawi, head of urban planning for Diamond Developers. Sustainable City Dubai houses about 2,700 people on about 115 acres. The buildings and facilities are designed to be 60% more energy and water efficient than conventional buildings in Dubai. They feature LED lighting, high-efficiency HVAC, and ultraviolet reflective paint. The city has apartments, single-family homes, and retail spaces. It also has a primary to grade 12 school, large enough for about a thousand students. And in addition, a sustainability training center, a science museum, and a planetarium. The Sustainable City Dubai is a technological marvel. Students of the schools can learn in living laboratories on site and work and learn farming on a real community farm. There's an opportunity for architectural students to learn about energy efficient design. And they invite social scientists to collect data and study what influences sustainable choices. The Sustainable City Dubai perimeter is made up of tall trees to form a buffer zone. On the center is a green spine that runs the length of the township. In addition, there are biodomes that are geodesic-shaped greenhouses that can be used as agricultural research facilities, in addition to growing herbs that are sold on-site to the residents and the restaurants. Other features in the facilities include wind tunnels, in addition to the community gardens and water recycling facilities. The residential clusters have community pools, fitness centers, a community mall, a mosque, an eco-resort, and a spa. There's a country club, also lots of shops, cafes, and restaurants. There are also offices and office blocks in the facility. There's a healthcare clinic, a nursery, and a supermarket. In addition, there's a jogging track that's a kilometer long, five outdoor fitness, yoga, and sports stations. There's also an equestrian center with 32 stalls for, obviously, the classical Arabian horses, which has a four kilometer horse track in addition to four kilometers of cycle track and a three kilometer walking track. The horse manure is collected and used for producing biogas on site. The sustainable city is connected to Dubai's power grid for electricity, the water supply connection, and sewage lines. But majority of the daytime electricity comes from solar PV. In addition, there are solar water heaters on top of the homes, and there are EV charging stations located all over the community. The town also has stormwater collection and water recycling through the municipal sewage treatment plant. There are two recycled water lakes with waterfalls and mountains that are used to irrigate the trees in the compound. And the town has about 2,500 trees, including a thousand date palms. These trees help to reduce air and noise pollution in and within the community. The community farm has fruit trees and 
the 11 biodomes with hydroponic systems growing herbs that are sold to the residents in restaurants. The town also has a waste sorting and recycling center. The organic waste is composted and used as fertilizer on the site. Now let's listen to the interview with Ms. Marwa Nalawi. Welcome on board, everyone, to Sustainable EU podcast. We are super excited today to talk about smart, sustainable urban planning and green infrastructure. And today with us, we have the Senior Urban Planner for Sustainable City, Marwa Nelavi. Did I say your name correct? Yes. <laughs> this is super exciting because it is one of the best compounds or best infrastructure, not only here in the UAE, but in the GCC. So when it comes to you're doing so many different things, it's not just energy. It's also how the community works, the farm, the, the education aspect of things that's coming in. So obviously, when, when you move into education, you also need data from everything that's you're already building. So like, you said this was your initial project so yeah. you obviously all you go up from here so yes. the next project and the next project is going to be better and better yes so how does that work where does internet of things or data do you collect it how do you use it oh, we, we love numbers yeah <laughs> we love numbers we collect data on absolutely everything so the internet of things actually plays a role in everything. Here, I'll take a step back. I told you, we, 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 we define sustainability against the three pillars, social, environmental, economic. Now, the environmental part, we've actually taken that and we've broken it down further into the six main contributing sort of factors to carbon emissions. And it had to be done that way to allow us to tackle everything and to be able to come up with holistic solutions. Mm-hmm. So the environment is split into, we have an acronym, FUPMW which stands for food, energy, water, mobility, products, well, building materials, and waste. So the Internet of Things plays into every single one of those in order to drive uh, efficiencies across all platforms. For example, if we take mobility and the buggy network that we were talking about uh, earlier. So we have these buggies. We have 500 uh, units, about 3,000 residents here. And we have uh, 50 buggies that are shared amongst these 3,000 residents. The idea is is it's it's the internet and the data that we collect and the apps that we use that allow us to to make the most efficient use of those buggies amongst the residents. So when I need a buggy, I don't need to call anyone. I don't need to step out of my house and go randomly looking for one. I just open my phone. I have an app that tells me in real time where all the buggies are at any given point in time, and I know where the closest one to me is. At the same time, the facilities management are also able to track, let's say, where the batteries that are running low, the buggies that are running low on batteries are. So they know to take those buggies and stick them into the chargers. So they're not left in the city, just randomly thought somewhere. So we love data. We, we've been gathering data since, since the day we, we started. We had our first residence in the city. And, and it, it hasn't just helped us from an environmental standpoint, but also there was a social study that was done actually by UC Davis and, mm-hmm. and a number of other universities where they interviewed residents in the sustainable city periodically over three years. And that was actually more for them to evaluate how the sustainable city changed the behavior of, of people who lived there. Hmm. And the, the results were very interesting. Like we have, I think... We have over 90% of residents who say they felt morally obliged to recycle after moving here. And it's interesting because that's, for example, if you like, you like 
subject of waste. So what we've done is we've, we've put sorting bins in every house. We, we, we don't wait for residents to, to buy them. We put them there. So mm-hmm. you, somebody moves into sustainable city. Now, okay, most people move here knowing what they're moving into, but not necessarily. Other people move for different reasons. I've personally met neighbors who said they never recycled before living here. But you move in, you get your bin, and right next to your bin, you have four other bins that are very clearly labeled plastic, glass, metal, and cardboard or paper. So you make it really difficult for people not to recycle. Right. And then the, those, the, the, the main bins that are outside the houses, are there's like one for every seven villas. So it's less than 10 seconds walk from your house. Yeah. So by facilitating that, you really are able to change people's behavior. And ultimately, that's our goal. It's people's behavior that you want to change because you can provide them with the most sustainable, environmentally sustainable of homes. But how you use that home is ultimately mm-hmm. going to inform the actual performance. So the education part, the, facil- the facilitation of these things, that's, that's really key. So what happens to that waste that's collected, the plastics and the metals? So we have a sister company called Tedweer. It's mm. the largest oh, recycling facility okay. in Dubai. So not Tedweer Abu Dhabi. Tedweer Abu Dhabi is the government okay. uh, arm. In Dubai, we are a privately owned company called okay. Tedweer. Because okay. Tedweer in Arabic means recycling. Oh, is that Just what it FYI. means? Tedweer. <laughs> Tedweer means to, yeah, to, re, to, to recycle. Okay. So Tedweer comes and collects all this waste. So we have an electric garbage truck that mm. runs within the city to collect the garbage from the, the waste bins outside. And then that then takes it to, and then the, the, the main garbage truck comes into to our main collection points in the city, collects this waste, takes it to the facilities in Warsan, and they recycle the waste there. So, I see. Yeah. Oh, so nice. coming to waste, you also said you have also have some agriculture patch. Yeah. How does that work, especially during summers? Um, um, I don't know. I, I saw it somewhere. That Was it on YouTube somebody had put in? The local residents also grow their vegetables there. Yes. I said, can you can you elaborate on that, yes. what it, it's done? Do you use the waste from, from here to, you know, irrigate? So we have, there's two aspects to, to food in the city. One is that we, we grow our own food in those biodomes, but mm-hmm. that's operated by, not by the residents, it's operated by a third party. Okay. Um, affiliated with us. So a biodome is more or less like a greenhouse? Yes, it's a climate-controlled indoor space to to grow. So from that, we produce about 500,000 pots of herbs and, uh, you know, vegetables that are then distributed amongst the residents and the surplus is sold in the markets outside. Obviously, the revenue that's then generated from that goes back to sustain this Mm. project or uh, these biodomes. So that you are introducing the concept of circular economies. Yes. So that's that's one thing. And that's more focused on like basil, wasabi, rosemary, mint, more herbs and leafy greens. <laughs> and then uh, in our green spine that I was talking about earlier, we also have patches of land that uh, residents can choose to use for community farming initiatives. The idea is uh, some people are actually interested in growing most of their vegetables so we have people who take larger pieces of land and grow everything from i don't know tomatoes to eggplants and peppers and and the, all these things and cabbage and cauliflower and all of that so, so you could ask ask for land and yeah so it's a, you pay a very like a trivial amount like a just a subscription fee let's say mm-hmm. for that land and it's usually seasonal 
they start in October and they run until about April. Mm. And then, but that also creates, there's a very nice social aspect to that because yeah. people start learning things from each other and all of that. And yeah. then we yeah. also have, so part of uh, one of the C institutes, so the C institute is the education arm. What is, is that an acronym? It, yes, C for social, economic and environmental. Okay. So, yeah. So the C Institute is, it's a, it's a research, education, and incubation hub. We run a, an incubator out of, out of this organization that helps accelerate startups that are doing things in the field of sustainability. One of those was, is called the Waste Lab. Mm. And I don't know okay. if you've heard of the Waste Lab. Yeah, I've she's heard a, about she's it. She's a good yeah. friend. Yeah. yeah. So she, um, so they, a lot of the, a lot of the residents are actually subscribed to the Waste Lab. So obviously they come, they take all their organic waste and give them compost. And all right. We have a composting station here. Okay, well. okay. So is that electric, the composter? Well, it, it would be running off your solar power, though. Probably, yes, if yeah. it's running out of farm, okay. yes. Okay. Now, that was the farming aspect. It's amazing how uh, people can grow their own vegetables and things if they feel like and that also creates the social sustainability part where they produce and then they can share now also while i was coming in i i saw that you you have a whole community center shops everything do you take these produce or is part of the produce sold in here what are the shops that you have here does that also yes um, focused on sustainability or is it just a regular spinnies and yes i mean uh, th- th- that is the idea yes so we do have so the way we run the the, the retail space for the mixed use area actually 40 percent of the businesses that are running out here are actually run by residents mm-hmm. so the the restaurants the cafes and yes uh, they they do get some of the produce from another startup actually there's a container downstairs called uh, Alaska Life. Mm-hmm. They also, they're very much into vertical farming and uh, aeroponics. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they harvest uh, lettuce, which as well, a lot of the residents uh, subscribe to and the restaurants use for, for their own. Uh, so the clientele for the retail, it's also outsiders, right? Yes. So they have to come in, they have to drive in, they have to park. Yeah, they to... park and they walk. But again, I mean, same kind of like how you parked and walked just for right. a few minutes. So this is the, the, it's very, I think it's, it's the same as in any other community. So the parking is right outside and then you have the restaurants around this plaza and then the plaza as well has its own function of being a gathering space mm-hmm. for, for the community and for outsiders. Uh, during the nicer weather, we hold the markets. We used to have something called origin market that runs throughout the winter. Yeah, but the people who come to the, the the restaurants here are not just from the community. It is welcoming of outsiders, yeah, yeah, of course. but of course. So is. then you have to think about security and things like that as well. Yes, right? but that's already been taken care of. So the, the the security barrier that you enter from that comes after the the, the mixed use area. It's mm-hmm. only when you're about to enter the the residential part of the of the community. Right. So when when you have security, then it costs time to those who come in. So you, you obviously thought about that for the mobility of, uh, of yeah. the pedestrians and so on uh, yeah so okay so yeah so i'm talking about when cars enter so when you yeah and cars to, as well yeah so you didn't have to go through any no we didn't you didn't it was quite right. easy yeah. flow for, exactly for me. so now yeah. if you wanted to go continue further on to get to the residential area you there's two barriers there's one for the residents which will automatically open for you uh, it'll read your license and then if you're coming to visit 
let's say you're coming to visit me, to make things more seamless. Um, yeah. Again, in the app that we have, I would log you in as mm. a guest and then you'll automatically receive a code from me. Okay. And then when you enter, you can just show the code to the security and he'll let but, you straight in. But if I did a surprise call in, I mean, just okay. into your house as a surprise. As a surprise. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I, it, it could be done. I mean, again, we care about the security and the privacy mm -hmm. of the residents. But you're not entering like a you know, fortress. No, a fortress where I. I so sometimes my mom yeah. comes over and yeah. uh, I, I, for, I don't lock her in, but now the security knows her because he's seen her a few times. So he'll yeah. just let her yeah. in. Yeah. So. Yeah. So yeah, I'm just trying to get at the same scenario from different directions. Yes. When, you yeah. know. When it comes to waste management and the water management, all the waste and water that comes out of homes, is it reutilized? If it is, how do you do that? So. Oh, let's put them, waste and water. So water, our water is 100% uh, recycled. All of the water that comes out of Sustainable City goes to Dubai Municipality. They have uh, their water treatment facilities. Uh, so they take all of our water and they give us back treated sewage effluent in return. And then that goes to irrigate the landscape that we have here. Do you generate any water here? I mean, from the air conditioning, obviously, you'll have condensation, but... No, we, we have actually, in, in, in our show villa, mm -hmm. we've installed... It's a pilot, we're mm -hmm. trying it out, but it's, um, it's a system that actually captures water from the humidity mm -hmm. and, uh, and then uh, generates drinking water from that. So that's something that we're trying out to see if it's, if it's something that's viable to be implemented in our, in, in, on a large scale. But we also, with the, with the Sea Institute, which is the building that's under construction now, this building is aiming to be net zero carbon. So there's a lot of technologies that, that are going into that to, 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 try to achieve that objective. And one of them would be to use the, the water from the condensation to irrigate the landscape. So going back to the gutter again, uh, let's talk about sewage. You love gutter. Um, yes, <laughs> I, my mind is in the gutter all the time. So the sewage goes out to the municipality, they treat it, and then they supply it back to you for mm -hmm. various purposes. On yeah, it, mainly the irrigation of the non-productive. The plants that you chose, are they indigenous? Are they... Um, water so, and heat resistant and yeah so the when it comes yeah. to the landscape the, there's a lot of there's a lot of thought that goes into it's very tricky yeah. in a climate like yeah. uh, like here there's a balance so on the one hand you, you do want to provide green spaces because they add a lot of value socially and environmentally as well and you want to have a lot of trees for shading purposes at the same time you have to remember that we live in a desert and, and therefore too much of that actually starts to have the adverse effect so what we do is we design the landscape in a way so that every every plant or every element of the landscape is, is there to serve more than just the function of beautification. So trees are placed in areas where people might actually sit under them and use them for shade. Some plants are used to fix nitrogen in the soil. We do use a lot of uh, indigenous plants and, you know, there are some areas that are xeriscaped if those areas are not going to be used, like utilized. And then a lot of our landscape is actually productive and Fruits right, with fruits right. and we have date palms again the dates right. are harvested and distributed amongst the residents we have a lot of fruit trees we even recently planted some mango and guava trees here and just um just also experimenting with uh, different kinds of agriculture techniques and technologies to see what we can actually grow here because again with the right soil with the right mix with the right irrigation systems we might find out that we can grow things that we yeah. didn't think we could in the past 
So yeah. since you like numbers, do you, do you account for the carbon capture done by your own vegetation? Yes. So we have a team that's just dedicated to... You have a team of geeks who do all that. We have a team yes. of people who collect these numbers nice. and just do all sorts of things with them. So all our houses are monitored, um, our water consumption. I mean, there's a reason behind that because that's how we measure our, mm -hmm. ourselves, right? We, we set targets for ourselves and we measure our performance. And that's how we uh, set our goals and objectives for future projects. Yeah. So talking about collecting data and using it for further projects, does that mean that the, the new project that's coming up in Sharjah or in Abu Dhabi, it's one step above what you piloted here? Have you learned some things here that was yes. implemented there? So obviously, again, Sustainable City Dubai was designed and uh, they started construction almost uh, just under a decade ago. So obviously, uh, with time, technologies, new technologies come up every day. And definitely, I'll talk about our energy use index, let's say, our intensity in the houses. So uh, here in uh, Dubai, we managed to achieve uh, just under 100 uh, kilowatt hours per square meter per year. In Sharjah, we're aiming for lower, for around 85, I believe. And that's because, you know, the building envelope will perform better. Just building materials have evolved. New technologies mm. and new ways of doing things are going to allow us to yeah. build more efficiently and have our buildings uh, perform better. So that goes for, for almost everything. Our food story in uh, Sustainable City Yiti, for example, is a lot more advanced than we have here. In, in Yiti, we plan to cover 80% of the community's uh, nutritional needs. There's already fishermen and fishing village that exists there. Mm -hmm. So we're partnering with them to be their off-takers wow. so that all the restaurants and hotels that are going to open there will actually source their fish from that bay. Wow. Uh, and Talking then we're about gonna circular. Have, we're yeah. going to have uh, dairy farms for, for like cows and chickens for their milk and their dairy products. Food They're going to have a dairy farm close the to the community. Yes. So we, we have a... We have a plot that's dedicated to our utilities and the utility park, and there we will have a farm. What about the smell? It's it's, okay. it's literally yeah. It's um so again the city's designed so that 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 farm is actually not right next okay. to the houses. Yeah, I, I'm sure you could mitigate it with vegetation. Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, composting and, and and biogas production. And biogas. Obviously. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah, a lot of opportunities there. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we definitely yeah. aim uh, higher each time. Yeah. So your acronym few MPW PMW PMW <laughs> yeah so that's food energy water products mobility and waste yes so let's talk about the products so you're the the building material yeah. building yeah. materials so you said they are evolving so when it comes to building materials okay so this goes towards our our goals of being net zero carbon. I mean, maybe when we designed Sustainable City Dubai, we were looking more for net zero energy. But today, no, we're, we're, yeah. we're, we're building net zero carbon cities. Yeah. But the building or the industry, construction industry, accounts for about 40% of carbon. Yes, and concrete. Exactly. And building yeah. materials account for 11% of that. So it's uh, very important that when we choose our materials, again, I know there's a lot of sustainable materials out there but if we have to import them yeah. from halfway across the world that's not sustainable not very sustainable again it's about finding that balance so some people are like well why are you using concrete you can use bamboo yeah okay but if i'm importing my bamboo from yeah. thailand then <laughs> well about know? concrete so it it generates a lot of carbon in its production but it absorbs some carbon 
during its lifetime, but not as much as it produces. So we use uh, for our, all of our houses were built uh, from prefabricated panels, so there was the, the construction waste was minimized. Okay. And then there's a lot of uh, sort of there's a lot of pros that you get out of that. The prefabricated panels are uh, give you more consistency in the quality that you're producing. So we do we look at the embodied carbon of uh, of our building materials, but we also look at from where we're sourcing them. Again, to make informed decisions on what do we use. For example, in the Sea Institute, we've minimized the use of concrete by using some lightweight facades on the upper floors and the non-load-bearing mm. um, elements or components of the building to try and bring that footprint down as much as possible. And you being an architect, does, does that excite you? I mean, do you get involved in everything? Uh, of course. Like, I mean, yes. So yeah, my, my, I mean, my role here, so I'm an architect and urban planner by profession. My role here is more on the urban planning side. As I said, I get excited by the, the, the spaces so between the buildings. You love this job, you're saying. You know, of course. It doesn't feel like work. <laughs> of course. Okay. No, it does not feel like work. I, I do. I love it. And I love living here and I love being part of this organization that is really transforming the way that we are building our cities. And the future of cities, mm. how we've been living for decades or ages. Is there certain expectations of people? So do you scout certain kind of people <laughs> to live here? No, what I mean is, do you encourage certain behavior from uh, one one part of it is waste? We mm. spoke about it. But in general, how they live. Yes. So uh, when you move into a sustainable city, you're actually given a handbook, like a manual. Of, of oh gosh, you, you have to, to study know. to yeah. get in? No, it's, 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 it's a, a handbook to tell you. About, you know, again, like I said, somebody might come here and they didn't use to recycle before. So they're told about recycling. They're told about the different things. So people come knowing that they're coming to the sustainable city. So they're already, they already are yeah. in that mindset. So yes, people are encouraged. We do hold a lot of talks, a lot of awareness talks and events and things around the concept of sustainability and how you can live more conscientiously. We hold a lot of like pop-up markets, you know, to encourage people from the community to showcase local products, you know, things like that. We encourage and we support that a lot. In terms of expectations, I think, I mean, I can speak for myself. So when I moved here, I know that I, my everything is being monitored. I know that my yeah. is being collected. How, so, how does that make you feel about it, your it privacy? It, it makes me okay. more conscious of my consumption. But, but so do you, you feel like you're being watched all the no, time? No, you don't. It, it's, no. it's more for me. It's me measuring how I'm yeah. doing things. So like my goal, for example, is like I know that in the winter I can zero my electricity bills. So I know because, okay, step back. 70% of your energy consumption here and in the UAE, you live in a house, 70% of your consumption comes from cooling. Right. So when you're not using your AC, you've tackled 70% of your problem. Like I had mentioned before, the houses here have been desi designed in a way to reduce the need for cooling from the orientation, from the building material and all of that. So I can confidently speak about myself. Between the months of November to March, we don't turn on the AC in the house. We don't need to turn on the AC right. at any point in time, yeah. not even during the day. It's actually cooler inside the house sometimes than it is outside. So for me, November to March, if I'm not using my AC and my solar panels mm. should be able to cover the, the, the remaining 30 to 40% of my electricity needs. So living here, I become a lot more mm -hmm. uh, conscious. conscious of what I'm doing. And, and that's what it is. It's not that I feel like I'm being watched. This is the goal. You want to change. Right. You want to make people understand that the way they might be living is, is not sustainable. And, and, and it's not it's not because it's benefiting me as diamond developers, but the, the world needs to move in that in that direction. And this is one way of doing it, of just making them aware. And then you get your bill. So the bill I get from Diwa is different to the bill that other people get because... Mm. 
my bill shows me how much I've exported to the grid, uh-huh. how much I've imported, and therefore what is the net, and that's what I pay for. So it's uh, yeah, it's like when you set goals for it. you go on a diet and you set goals for yourself and start counting calories that you're eating in and out. Okay. It becomes a personal goal, you know. Well, one more psychology question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but do you feel like your life will be overprescribed in here? Nothing left to chance. You know, there's an algorithm to take care of everything. All the uh, decisions. No, because it's very intangible. I okay. mean, I'm talking about it because I work with diamond developers. Mm-hmm. Had I just been a resident here, I, I wouldn't know all that's happening behind the scenes. So I definitely don't feel uh, like I'm being watched or I'm being monitored. People know. No, you I get mean, informed like, once a year. All the decisions are made for you. just have to... Yeah, so I mean, and again, there's something to stop people. Like, so yeah, so we put in this efficient cooling system. But I mean, if you want to put your AC on on 18 degrees and leave it running all day long, then you can do that. You won't get to enjoy the savings that the rest of us do, but there's nothing to stop you. But I think the point is, uh, you become conscious and then it becomes part of you where yes. where you're not doing it just to save money, but you feel that it's wrong. I should not be doing it. Yes, no. and it's, a, I mean, again, it goes back to education. So even our school that we have here, Fairgreen International School, one of the conversations that took place with the school operators prior to opening the school was how sustainability would be embedded into their curriculum. So my five-year-old son today already knows about solar panels. He already knows about farming. Mm-hmm. And so they're introduced to these concepts at a very young age. And so he's not a city boy. He doesn't know where eggs come from. He does. Right? We have so, chickens here. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing. This is the balance that I'm mm. talking about. No, we want to connect people to nature, but there's nothing to say that you can't have nature and, and urbanization and go together. high-tech solutions combined together to, to give you this. Uh, but, but this is it. This is our proof of concept. Sustainable city is exactly that. It's a, it's a combination of going back to what worked in the past and looking and getting the help of future and technologies to get that balance of, of everything, that, that holistic sort of concept of sustainability. So when you take a vacation, do you have sustainable options? Like a sustainable de- <laughs> sustainable city in, say, Paris or uh, we don't. in Greece? I did, I, I did go to a very sustainable hotel on my honeymoon uh, okay. in Sri Lanka. Oh, nice. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, I do think that working with... Are, is your company is thinking about sustainable vacation spots? Mm-hmm. Oh, the, you mean sustainable tourism? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, why not? Maybe that's the next one after sustainable cities. So we welcome opportunities from all over the world. And we welcome partnerships in in all fields. So we don't don't just build residential communities. What we have or our DNA and the way we do things, that's applicable to anything and anywhere. Sustainable City UT has two hotels there, actually. So, yeah, I think there's no limit to to what what you can do. Advertisers, you're listening. Sustainable vacations. <laughs> no, okay. thank you. Thank you so much, Marwa, for this opportunity to talk with you and understand how to create a sustainable ecosystem and also your belief in it, which is amazing that there are people out there who consciously put in all that they learned or all they, that they have in them to give. They want to give it to a cause like this. It's, it's great. Thank, thank, you. thank you, so you so much for your for time. Yeah, thanks for <laughs> inviting us and having us over and have a good day. You too.